Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right. Stand with me if you would, please. Love your exuberance this morning, full house, looking great. Hold your Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me just take a moment. Uh, you may have noticed when you uh, entered the lobby that we have food boxes available after this worship experience. If you need them, uh, you feel free uh, to get some. If you know someone who needs them, feel free to be their delivery person today. You can be DoorDash, <laughs> or you can at least dash to their door. Anyway, so... Um, those are available. It took many, many weeks to make it happen, and God is good. Thank God for the Oklahoma City Regional Food Bank and Arthur for helping us. We appreciate it so much. Uh, it's been a great joy uh, to work with them. They've been wonderful. And those of you watching online, if you would, during the time you're watching, whether you're YouTube, Facebook, whatever, let us know where you're watching from. Uh, say something kind, interact a little bit, not a whole lot, but some, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so we'd love to hear from from you and where you're watching from today. Uh, if you would, open your Bibles to uh, Psalm chapter 51. And I began last week's, this series, talking about Adam and Eve and, and their desire to really be like God, not be God, but to be like God. So when they were faced with the decision as to whether or not to eat from the one tree in the garden that they were told not to eat from, Many people think it was defiance. Uh, some people think it was just stupid. But the reality is, I'm going to give them some props and grace because I, I think we'll probably see them in heaven. I think that their idea was, if we, just, if we eat from this tree, we, we might know God. And in doing so, as we know, it, it became known as the fall of man in the garden. But as I said last week, we, we often talk uh, about sin and and some people talk about it like they're really happy that you have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, you know. Religious people really like that. Uh, and, and, uh, but the reality is sin is the result of a will against God's will or exercising our own will probably is a better way to put it instead of seeking God's will. God's will was that they wouldn't eat from the tree and they would eat from the tree of life and they wouldn't have to make decisions based on the knowledge they possessed of good and evil. How many of you know uh, we all are failing miserably because we have the knowledge of good and evil and our flesh just really wants to do what it wants to do? So it's our will that we're having to deal with. That's how come Jesus said when he taught us to pray, pray thy kingdom come or his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven because he knew it was the will of man that caused mankind to be separated from God in the way that they had originally been designed to fellowship with God. Uh, the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God, 
But I do believe, and I could be wrong about this, but as I think through it and study through it, that we can be separated uh, momentarily, if you will, in a way from the presence of God. Now, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He won't. But our choice to exercise our own will is a momentary separation because we've chosen to do things our way. And God said, I don't want you to do things your way. I want you to do them my way because if you do them my way, you're going to be blessed. It's not that God is, has an ego problem. It's just that he sees the end from the beginning and he knows good from evil and he wants us to be blessed. So in Psalm chapter 51, uh, it's one of the most beautiful Psalms that, that I've ever read because it's David pouring his heart out to God without any withholding anything. It's very transparent. Now, how many of you have ever sinned really like big time? Now, some of you probably really haven't. You're just precious. <laughs> I mean, I, I would venture that most of us have probably messed up pretty big. And, and when we do, what's the first thing we do? We do what Adam and Eve did in the garden, and we go hide ourselves, thinking that God doesn't know where we are. Recall last week, I said, don't play hide and seek with God. He wins every time. Uh, you, you can't hide from God. And, and so God doesn't want us to hide from him. God wants us to run to him and, and to, to just tell him everything that we've done. And, you know, looking back, and this is going to, let me just sidebar this for those of you who are parents of young children, and you're going to be parents. Can I help you in my failures? Because here's the reality. When you tell your kid, if you do anything wrong, tell mommy and daddy. Isn't that what we tell them? And then when they do, we're shocked, and we just punish the snot out of them. <laughs> now, what makes you think they're going to come back the next time they're stupid? They're going to go, nah, not going there. Now, you say, but there have to be consequences. Yeah, but there's a difference in punishment and discipline. Punishment says, I'm going to shame you for what you did. Discipline says, I'm going to help you to not want to ever do that again. And so not saying that they're not going to have some consequence, but the reality is that they don't want to come to us when they think that they're just going to be punished. Nobody wants to be punished. And so when we go to God, God is not a punisher. God is a disciplinarian. Now, by that means he's going to bring discipline into our lives so that we don't do things that are harmful to us, and, and that's how he wants us to operate. So he wants us to come to him because God is a loving, benevolent God. You say, well, if I go to God, it's like, what's he going to do? He already knows what you did. <laughs> it's not like he's going, <gasps> like a mother who thinks her child is perfect. I am not near as good as my mother told me I was. Oh, you're so awesome. No, Mom, I suck. Uh, I am a mess, and you have no idea, but I think you do, but you don't want to believe it. Something like that, okay? So we often humanize God. We create God in our image and likeness instead of him creating us in his image and likeness. And so that's how come we don't go to God. But David said, here he is, one of the greatest, greatest figures, biblical characters ever Matter of fact, there's not another Bible character where the Bible says, this was a man after my own heart. Not another one. If I was going to be known for anything, it wouldn't be like having Samson-like strength or, you know, uh, Solomon-like wisdom. If there's anything that anybody could ever say about me, I'd want him to say, he was a man after God's very heart. 
Isn't that what we would all want on our tombstone if we could really have it? He really had a heart after God. And this is the David that all the preachers talk about. He was, he was so awesome. He was musical. He was sensitive, all the women. I mean, I think they loved him. Anyway, because <laughs> he swooned him on the harp. But he also was killer with a sling. He was awesome in every way. He was just kind of a handsome young man. And all the preachers talk about David, and then I, all of a sudden we forget. Bathsheba. David would not be allowed to preach in most churches today. Anyway, what I'm saying is this. Yet we model our lives after him because he stood up against a giant. He protected his father's sheep while everybody else is comfortable at home. He played the heart before Saul who wanted to kill him to calm him down. What a great man. Yet David in this psalm is not focusing on his greatness. He has no ego he is coming before God, and he says, have mercy on me, O God. He didn't say, you know, hey, look, hey, I'm going to kill a giant. I killed a giant. I guarded my dad's sheep. I, I did all these wonderful things. God, don't you think? He says, no, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about God. And he says, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Unlike Adam and Eve, David didn't go off and hide. He, he runs to God, and he exposes himself before God, knowing that God had unfailing love, mercy, and compassion. That's the God that we serve. And the world is looking at the church. And they're looking at how we talk about one another, how we treat one another, and how we represent God in a way that's not God at all. And we wonder why we can't get them out of bed on Sunday morning because they don't want to come and be a part of the judgment and the criticism and, and God's mad and he's going to smite you. And if you don't act right and you don't behave, we don't say God is filled with mercy. God has unfailing love. His compassion knows no end. His grace is unfathomable. That's the God that we serve. And we say it's our way or the highway instead of saying we want it to be God's way, the only way. Next Tuesday, God, help us. Well, you know, everybody's, well, yeah, you're going to help us because my man going to be in. You know what? I don't want my man to win. I want God's man to win. And, and we, we can argue about the things that they stand for, the things they don't. Here's the reality. At the end of doing what all of us should do in voting... Once you seal the envelope, once you make the vote, you need to go, God, I've done what I know to do. This is in your hands. Instead of attacking people and being critical of people, we have lost all respect for the highest office in our nation, and we should never do that according to the book of Romans that we ought to respect. And rather than talking about whoever's elected, you need to start praying for whoever's elected and saying, Jesus, I ask you to touch their life. I ask you to give them wisdom and fill them with your Holy Spirit. Yes. 
Because there will be people who won't talk to each other again after next Tuesday, and that's just crime. That's wrong. We have one job on earth, and that's to love one another. That's it. We are called to love one another. If I fail at that, I have completely failed. If I can't love you because you disagree with me, I have failed. If I allow any hate speech to land in my heart and I don't love the person who hates, I have failed. We have the greatest picture of love and grace we've ever seen with Christ on the cross being crucified as an innocent man looking down from the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Instead of saying they're so stupid if they only knew they're crucifying the Son of God. Come on, angels, smite them. Because that's what we'd be saying today. But Jesus, with such grace and eloquence, compassion and mercy, I love so much, it's impossible for me to hate. I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in your inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter the snow, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We are so often caught up with the awareness of everyone else's sin, everyone else's wrong, that we feel compelled to be God in this earth, judging people, stepping on people when they're down, Instead of saying, I'm going to pull you up and you're going to stand to your feet and you're going to preach. You're going to do what God's called you to do. One of the greatest stories I ever heard, and I'm going on a little tangent here, but it touched my heart when I think about my life and what I went through. That One counselor said that he was on the board of a church where the pastor did exactly what I did. Pastor said, I'm going to resign. The board looked at him and said, No, you're not. <laughs> you're going to stand up and keep preaching. We're not letting you out of here. I thought, Wow. Now that's Christianity right there. That is Christianity. And many people would say, No, that's not. He deserved. And I thought, Well, what do you deserve? What do any of us deserve? How can we do that to anyone? We think we're doing God a service when a man like David simply says, here I am, transparently repentant. Let me tell you what I think repentance is. Repentance is the pesticide that destroys the sin. When you repent, 
It's like spraying pesticide on a field that's going to be consumed by locusts that's going to eat the crop. God says, when you repent, I spray it and I kill it. Not in our world today. And yet, next week, there will be more sin the first week of November than there has been all year. There will be people that will talk evil about who's elected on both sides, either side. They'll talk evil about the president. They'll talk evil about those who didn't vote right, according to them. And can I say something to you? That's just wrong. That's just wrong. And as a pastor, I'm going to say it right into the... It's just wrong. I, I, I know what I believe. You know what you believe in. And, and you know what? We're all different. And you say, but it is wrong. You know what? If it's wrong, let God deal with it. You did your part. You can't do any more than your part. And the last thing you need to do is to hurt somebody else just because you're mad. So may I politely, under the anointing, say, shut up and pray up. I got to smile just a moment too late. but So I want to talk about what I call designer praying. Design your prayers. Don't just randomly design your prayers. When you come to God, if you read the Bible, all these little psalms, that was a prayer of David. Now, some people say, well, you know, I can't pray an hour. I don't think David prayed an hour. I think David said, this is what I want to get to God. He designed his prayer and addressed what he needed to address. A lot of people pride themselves in the length of their prayers, not the depth of their prayers. Now, if you can pray for an hour and you got that much to talk to God about, you either really close to God or you're so jacked up, you might want to go see a therapist. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm just saying, if I'm with God for an hour, it's like God going, really? I mean, it, and I think the reason is, is we don't really get, get to it real quick. You know, oh, God, you're so wonderful, you're so awesome. And that's great if you can do that. That's praise. But when it comes down to prayer, do you really just need to go after it? Yes. I mean, it's like if I ask God one time, like if I, I, I pray once, and then I start thanking him for what I prayed for. I don't keep going back. I'm not a beggar. I'm a believer. So when I prayed about something yesterday, today, I said, God, I thank you that you heard me yesterday. And I thank you that you're doing whatever needs to be done to make that happen the way you want it to happen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, and my life has a different We often pray from the platform of our imperfection instead of the platform of his perfection. In other words, I only pray at the level that I feel like I deserve to pray. Let me tell you something. I pray the same prayers today and maybe bigger than I prayed when everybody thought I was just fine. Ba-boom. It's like, well, you can't pray that bold anymore. I pray bolder than I've ever prayed. Matter of fact, there are times I think God's got his hanky out going, Whew, that was hot. No, I come scalding into the throne room. I don't, I'm not like creeping in. It's like some of y'all going, I stand last night <laughs> like a little mouse. I come in like a freaking lion. Hey, God. Hey. Rawr. It's a little bit like the Wizard of Oz line, wasn't it? 
You say, why would you do that? Because I think God wants us to approach him confidently and boldly as David did. That was not arrogantly. That's boldly saying, God, I come to you. Your unfailing love, your compassion, your mercy. David said, these are all the things you are that cover everything I'm not. You bought a bass boat when God didn't tell you to. Right before the pandemic and you lost your job. And you come, Patty, God, please help me. I know you didn't want me. No, you go on marketplace. Best bass boat in the state of Oklahoma for sale. God, get her done. (laughs) Sell that sucker. I know I wasn't supposed to buy it. (laughs) You told me no and so did my wife. We went from the Trinity to the Quadrinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Susan. God knows when you've been stupid. So don't pray stupid when you've been stupid. Start praying smart to cover your stupid. Are you still watching? Let me know you're there and say, amen, pastor. I'm watching from somewhere else. (laughs) Keep saying, stop spraying. Default prayers are simply get-by prayers. They're prayers that I say, they're called, help! No, you look and say, God, you're an awesome God. You said call you into remembrance of your word. That's what I'm doing right now. And you told me, that if a thief's caught stealing, they have to pay back seven times. That's what you told me. That's what you said. God, I didn't say it. You did. And you're a covenant God, and you're not a God that you should lie. And you say, well, I could never pray like that. Sure you can. You could pray like that because he's your daddy. He's your daddy. I had five kids before I learned Why? I went, oh, Jesus. And all I can remember when they were growing up, they never came to me and said, hey, there there are popsicles in the freezer. Can we have one? Oh, heck no. My kids will tell you I hid my snacks from them because they never asked me if they could have them. They just went and got them. They were bold children. They thought whatever's daddy's is mine. I don't know where they got that, probably from God himself. When they were in the womb, God said, whatever you want is yours. But I'm a fallen daddy. He ain't a fallen daddy. He didn't hide any of his snacks. He said, you want it? Come and get it. Enter the throne room with boldness. They never apologized for eating my stuff. Of course, I got smart and started locking it up after a while because I wasn't going to have any. They were like locusts. Quit treating God like he has a bad day, like you hurt his feelings. Oh, I hurt God's feelings. Impossible. Impossible. You can't hurt God's feelings. He's God. He's not a God of love. He is love. 
It's impossible for God to hate. It's impossible for God to get, like, upset with you. Oh, I can't believe they said that about me. I can't believe they did that. They know better. God just doesn't have a bad day. He just doesn't. I can just see it now. He never sleeps, so I don't know how he's so happy all the time, but he just is. He never slumbers. He's just God. And so many people in the world think he's so bad, he's so mean, he's coming back with a Louisville slugger, he's going to, like, knock you into next millennium. We approach him so timidly. And I'm not talking about arrogantly. David wasn't arrogant, but he was confident that when he prayed, God heard him. And he got up and he resumed his duties after this incredible sin And I could easily say, I haven't been as bad as David. I haven't been responsible for somebody's murder. I haven't been responsible for some of the things David did as a result. But David knew God was a God of unfailing love and great compassion. And some of you are watching today going, because you grew up in a really staunch old school church that they just wanted to really kind of scare the hell out of you. a lot in there too most people in the world use fear that's what often and I'm going to be very sensitive to this but it's really that's what the media does it's all about fear everything's fear driven it drives up ratings uh, for fear 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 I got good news for you everything's going to be all right. I didn't tell you when it's going to be all right, but I can promise you everything's going to be all right. I've read the end of the book, and, and I just know that whatever you take me through, you take me through. And if you want to threaten me with death, good luck, because when I die, I'm going to live. That's when I'm really going to live, when I die. And so, we have too many people afraid. It's exactly what the devil wants. The Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Keep your mind sound. And in this world, they'll think you're the problem. (laughs) You need to see a counselor because you're just too positive. (laughs) Haven't you heard? I've heard one thing. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Sorry. 2 Corinthians 3 says, The government of death, its constitution chiseled on stone tablets, had a dazzling inaugural. Moses' face, as he, was, uh, as he delivered the tablets, was so bright that day, even though it would fade soon enough, that the people of Israel could no more look right at him than stare into the sun. How much more dazzling then the government of living spirit. If the government of condemnation was impressive, how, much, how about this government of affirmation, government of Jesus? Bright as that old government was, it would look downright dull alongside this one. If that makeshift arrangement impressed us, how much more this brightly shining government installed for eternity? It's a message Bible. I love how it reads. Many people still living under the government of condemnation, the law, and legalism that we will never be able to fulfill or live up to because we're all fallen people. 
You can never keep the Ten Commandments. Isn't that bizarre that we can't keep Ten Commandments? Because I want the Harley that my neighbor has. Give a two cents about his wife, but I do care about his Harley. I know that none of you have ever coveted anything because you're just so pure. We had a bunch of people at 930 that were where I'm, but I know y'all are just so awesome. God bless you. So how do I pray? I'm going to give you three quick thoughts on how to pray. Number one, pray sincerely. Not flippantly, not arrogantly. Pray sincerely. How close do you really want to be to God? And you don't get closer because you pray for five hours a day, though some people may be called to that, and, and if they are, I'm, I'm real happy for them. I have no problem with that. I'm not judging that, but I'm saying most people can't, most people don't. So what can I do? Be sincere with God. Don't have a 20-minute introduction before you say, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Just open it up. I'm so stupid, but you are a God of unfailing love. I mean, that's what David's saying. When transgression can mean stupid, idiot, dumb. Why you? He was sincere. Hezekiah, sincere. Listen to this. Isaiah 38, in those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaac, because he had been stupid. Prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. It's a prophetic word. He could have said, this man is delivering a word from God, and he was. He was sent by God. Sometimes when you hear something, you settle for what you hear, and you don't even bother to believe that God can shift things. Hezekiah went, hold on. He turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully, not perfectly, and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah then wept bitterly. This is what I call a sincere prayer. It was not a long prayer. It was a sincere prayer. For me, it was very similar. God, you know I've served you since the day I gave my life to you. I didn't do it perfectly, but I've been faithfully serving you. Some of you, in the midst of your sin, you're still faithfully serving God. doesn't mean you're without sin. It just means you're faithful to God. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, another prophet. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer, and I have seen your heart, or your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. Why? Because Hezekiah turned to God. He faced him sincerely in just like two little sentences. And God turns it in a second. I know how you feel. When I first learned to pray, and when I say learn to pray, I mean, I studied prayer, and I had routines, and I had this, and I had all that down. And, and the Bible says pray without ceasing. Most people boast about praying an hour. <laughs> but the Bible says pray without ceasing, which means everything in our walk with God can be a prayer. I talk to God driving down the road, especially when I'm driving amongst stupid people. 
there ought to be a better test to get your driver's license, but parents won't allow it because they want their kids to turn 16 so they don't have to be a chauffeur anymore. Guilty. <laughs> Can't wait till you drive, Chris. You're taking all the rest of the kids wherever they need to go. I'm done. All right. Now you're getting transparent. You're going, oh, yeah, us too. Okay. All the great men and women of the Bible didn't allow what they had done to change who they were and what they were called to do. They just didn't allow it. They were sincere, selfless. Even Jesus said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Selfless. Sincere, and then lastly, secure. You have to be secure to do this. Security comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the old school Pentecostals, their focus really wasn't on the filling of the Holy Spirit. I can speak to this because I was one. It was more about what you did as a result of being filled, if you spoke in tongues or not. That was always the big deal. You ain't full unless you speak in tongues. Well, I knew a lot of Baptists that were a lot more full than a lot of the assemblies of God I went to. <laughs> it's like, because they'd be speaking in tongues one minute and cussing you out the next. Hallelujah. <laughs> I always have to say something to get me in trouble. I try not to, I really do, but it's just a gift. All the reason I say that is this. The reason he said be filled with the Spirit wasn't so that we could show off it was so that we wouldn't have empty space in our lives to be filled with sin. That's really what it was about. So be filled with the Spirit. Now, sometimes I think Christianity is a little bit like it was when I was a teenager. I didn't have a lot of money. We grew up rather poor. And, and I remember, and, and you can't get teenagers to do this today because they just think money grows on trees. And there wasn't one money tree in our neighborhood, our whole community. There was no money anywhere. And so, when I started working, I had this thing called a budget, and I realized that there were times that there was more that I wanted to do than I had the money to do. So, here's what you did. In order to do all of those things, you had to figure out how to do them. So, you never filled up your car with gas when I was a kid, baby. You calculated, okay, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go eat, and then we're going to go to a movie, and then that's going to cost this much, so this is how much gas I can put in. So, the tank... <laughs> I didn't see F until I was in my 30s. <laughs> Look at that needle. It's over on F. What does that mean? <laughs> I was always hovering around E. And I think it's funny, A, B, C, D, E, that's where we stopped. That was the alphabet for me. F never came along, you know. And so a lot of people live Christianity that way, so there are a lot of things I want to do so I can't fill up with God. I can't fill up with the Spirit because I got places to go, people to see, things to do. It says, be full of the Holy Spirit. Be filled. If somebody says, I hate you, you go, I love you. It just kind of comes out like vomit. I mean, you know how it is when you just can't stop it. You know, just, uh. What did I just say? Somebody just told me they hated me, and I said, I loved you. Why? Because you're filled with the Spirit. Somebody talks about you, you talk to God. You don't talk back to them. Why? Because you're filled with the Spirit. You're secure. When you're secure, how many of you know, it takes two people to have a fight. 
And so if you're filled with the Spirit, you don't fight back. Somebody says, you ought to just, you know, you ought to just fight back. Didn't you have something to say? I've always got something to say, but it's often not good. <laughs> and it's not good that I say it. I was born with the gift of sarcasm. <laughs> I mean, I am quick. You, I, if, if I'm not filled with the Spirit, it ain't good. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You're shaking your hand, well, me too. Yeah. So I decided rather than win a fight, I wouldn't get in a fight. And guess what? If you don't get in the fight, you automatically win. And that really irritates people who want to fight you. Pray sincerely. Pray selflessly. Bless those who persecute you. God hasn't forgotten what you've gone through. God hasn't forgotten. It's not about who hurt you. It's about the God who heals you. You keep living life. And the one thing I would say, it's not about the sin because Jesus paid for the sin. He's given us salvation. It's about our will. My will to be filled. My will to love. My will to be patient. My will to be kind. My will to not pay back evil for evil. My will to surrender to God. When I feel like I'm being crucified, Father, forgive them. There is a resurrection emotionally. There's a resurrection financially. There's a resurrection mentally. There's a resurrection relationally. But you have to die to be resurrected. So just go ahead. Get it over with. Die to self. Say, God, I'm as dead as I can get right now to all this. But if there's any of me still living, please, let it die that you may live. Let it die that you may live. There's nothing like a peace knowing that you've done everything you can do to be filled with his spirit and to love. Because love never fails. Sometimes it is as slow as a turtle, but it never fails. Wait on it. It's like they say in some of these videos, wait on it, wait on it, wait on it. I want to go to sleep, wait on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for unfailing love, for great compassion, for new mercies every morning, for salvation for mercy, grace, forgiveness, love, all the things that you are. Thank you. You said, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. I pray that those who are laying flat on their face today would rise again. That you bring them back up. That you restore them. Reinstate them. Give them a greater anointing than they've ever had to be the person they've always dreamed of being. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer and ask all of you to pray it with me. A prayer that will change your life forever. If you're not a Christian now, you will be in a moment. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call you Lord. I call you Savior. I call you friend. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to do me a big favor, but more importantly, do yourself a big favor. It's a text that will change your life forever. Text the word SAVED in your name to 405-500-1310. There on Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.